in the book of Acts chapter 16. Uh, we're continuing this lesson series that we've been on, and I know it's uh, been a little painstakingly slow where we just do one chapter basically a week, but I think we're learning a lot, and I think it's helping us as we go through life, and it's helping us here as, as Christians in this particular church kind of see how things went, what they did, their expectations, and the way they went about things. So today in Acts chapter 16, I'd like to title this lesson uh, simply this, that the Holy Spirit leads. That's what matters as we walk with Christ, is that to make sure that the Holy Spirit leads us as we go through this life. And because the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us. He helps us to make decisions. He helps us to to not do certain things or whatever that maybe we have aspired to do. I'm not talking about sinful things, but we're going to see in today's lesson that they wanted to do a good thing, but God uh, had a different plan for their life and He guided them a different way. So that's what it's talking about when we say the Holy Spirit leads. That's the title of our lesson today. So let's uh, go to prayer this morning before we begin. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We give you thanks. We thank you, Lord, for your presence with us. We thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. We thank you, Lord, for the promise of what we just sang about, uh, is that one day we're going to get to see you face to face. Hallelujah. Lord, now we look through a, a glass darkly. Lord, we none of us can ever say that we've seen you. We know about you. We know you dwell with us, and we, you have uh, guided us through our lives. But Lord, one day we're going to get to lay eyes upon you. We're going to get to see you in the majesty that you possess. And Lord, we ask you to bless us today as we look into your word. Give us, Lord, understanding. Give us open minds and hearts today and give us the ability, Lord, to expound upon your word that your people, Lord, may be encouraged and comforted and uh, brought forth into the works which you have them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Holy Spirit leads. Like I said, that is a very key element in following Christ is we uh, have to listen to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Holy Spirit simply guides us by when we read His Word or we hear someone read His Word or teach, and it speaks to us. And we know that the Holy Spirit uh, is in that and He's guiding us. So in chapter 16, let's begin reading through and we'll talk about a few verses at a time. And there's, very, there's a couple of very key doctrinal issues mentioned in chapter 16, and we'll get to those as we come to them. So let's read verses 1 through 5. This is speaking of Paul and Silas, okay? We'll fit, kind of tie in from where we left off last week. Remember that they had had a disagreement. Paul and Barnabas had kind of had a disagreement about whether or not they were going to take Barnabas' nephew on the work with them. So they kind of split ways, and one group went to one side of the, the, the territory, and one went to the other. And so now in verse 1, this is beginning still to talk about uh, the Apostle Paul and, of course, his partner Silas. It says, Then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra, <coughs> excuse me, and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on, go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went throughout the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. And this is basically just kind of a history lesson of where they went and what they did and who they took with them and things. But there's one key thing here I, would, I just wanted to point out that I was make a note about. 
uh, in verse 1, when he starts talking about this fellow named Timothy that was also a minister he wanted to take with him, <clears throat> this is the same Timothy that's addressed in the Bible. It's the same Timothy that Paul wrote to later in First and Second Timothy. He was just giving him some, uh, some pointers and some updates on how to go with the church and things like that. So this was a person that is uh, uh, very special and very valuable to the ministry of the early church was Timothy. And then in verse 3, uh, you might have noticed that it's, it was kind of a strange thing there in verse 3. It says, Paul wanted to have him go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And remember a couple weeks ago we talked about that was one of the whole big issues that when they went back to Jerusalem they're trying to figure out, do Christian people, do born-again people who aren't of the Jewish lineage of the seed of Abraham, do they have to get circumcised in order to be saved? And they'd already determined, no, they don't have to follow that kind of stuff. Said the Lord's already circumcised them in their heart, okay? So now it's kind of interesting. It seems that Paul has flip-flopped here. It's like, well, why would he go and have Timothy circumcised? Why would he care? He's already determined that, and he's been preaching against all that. And I just simply made this note, and it's, sometimes it's wisdom. Some people get hung up on trivial things. These Jews in this city... They were so hung up on this thing of circumcision that there was no way they were going to let the son of a Greek guy who was an uncircumcised person come and teach them anything. They was not even going to listen to him. So in order to, to humor them, he just went and had Timothy circumcised and say, okay, listen, listen to this guy. And that's kind of what the Bible talks about. One of the places Paul said, to whatever people were, that's what I become. That's kind of what he's talking about. You know, if people have certain hang-ups and this, that, and the other, you kind of just go along with that and say, okay, I understand what you're going through, different things and stuff. So that's what was going on here. Uh, Paul humored the Jews so that they would be okay with Timothy helping in the ministry. There's a lot of Christian people today that are hung up on lots of things. They really are. We had a, a, a revival one time and a lady come in and uh, we were... Uh, me and one of my friends, we were. They had asked us to just kind of stand there at the door and welcome people and give them a little thing. And she come in and she was all worried about coming into that place. She wanted to know exactly what was going to be talked about and this, this, and this. And she was making sure our doctrine was right and all that stuff. And she said, "No, you believe this and this and this." She wasn't even going to walk through that door. And so we assured her what we believed and things. So people have a lot of hangups. So sometimes you just gotta kind of put our our dogma to the side a little bit and listen to what their hangups are and try to help them out a little bit. So that's what was going on here. That's why he took him and had him circumcised. Now in verse 6, Now when they had gone through Persia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we, thought, we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is one of those major doctrinal points here that's made in this passage of Scripture. It's a major doctrinal issue that rarely gets talked about. I hear people talk a lot and, and uh, they get big on missions and stuff and they just come up with ideas <clears throat> and everybody's just supposed to go along with it. And that's fine. If, if, if the Lord's behind it, absolutely. You get involved and you do what you can. But this is one of those doctrinal issues that, like I said, is rarely talked about. You know, sometimes the Lord will forbid you to do a good work. And right here he did it. 
What would have been wrong with them preaching the gospel in these other two places? They're bringing the good news of salvation, right? Why on earth would the Holy Spirit not want them to go there? We don't know that answer. Nobody knows. But we simply know it's because the Lord said so. I remember Dad when he was raising us up, and I guess it was passed on down from him. When Mom or Dad said something, you didn't question it. If you asked the question, why? Because I said so. That was just how it was. That's the way the Lord is, right? If the Lord tells us yes, no, whatever, it's because He said so. He has a perfect reason for that. So there's times in life, and the whole point to be made here is, there's times in life when people, other people may be aspiring to do something good for the Lord, but if the Lord puts a red flag up for you, then you probably need to go a different direction. And that's okay if that's the way the Lord leads you. So let me talk a bit, of, just to share some of my notes with you. Sometimes the Lord forbids us to do good things. Taking the gospel into these areas would seem to us a good thing, but the Holy Spirit forbid them to go. We don't know the exact reason, only that the Lord said no. Now, I'll give you this, something to think about. I, I like to think about things and think objectively. It's very possible that if they'd have went to Asia or Bithynia, might have ended up being a waste of time and resources and would have taken them away from the people of Macedonia. Maybe God in His infinite wisdom looked at the people of Macedonia and saw they're primed and ready to receive Jesus now by the multitudes. But these people over in this other area, they're just going to reject you and kick you out of their city. We don't know. That could have been the reason. We don't know the exact reason. But we do understand and we find out here in just a minute that when they did go to Macedonia, they were well received and people were accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior in droves, okay? So anyways, we, that's a very, very good possibility. Now, I can share with you a testimony of myself. Uh, me and Michelle, you know, a long time ago, we were uh, attending a certain church and teaching Sunday school and doing all those kinds of things and knew the Lord had called me to preach. And, and I'll never forget, uh, one day over there at IPM, I was standing there to run that machine, and I said, Lord, I said, I need a job where I have more time to dedicate to ministry. And I'll never, never forget it. Standing there running that old boring machine just back and forth all day, drive a school bus, come in my ear. And I thought, what in the world is, the, is that? That's just a crazy thought. And throughout the rest of that day, it just kept coming to me, kept coming to me, kept coming to me. A lot of people told me it was a bad choice, bad idea. Because what I did was I had to step down from a full-time job with benefits, my wife pregnant with us with our son to go to a job that we'll call you when we need you and we don't have any benefits until you get full-time. Whatever the Lord leads you to do, He'll make a way. And it's been almost 20 years now and the Lord worked it all out and He's given me that type of a job. Another red flag thing moment that happened I was on the fast track when we attended that church, that specific church. I was on the fast track to getting into their, uh, to being approved by them and ordained by them and all this bunch of stuff. And, and they were going to fast track me right into the situation where I could basically go to anywhere in that conference and, and preach anywhere and be pastor or whatever the case may be. But there was something didn't sit right with me. And the more I prayed about it, it just something didn't seem right. Well, they brought me the paperwork to file for an application. And I got that paper and started to fill it out. And it's just like in my mind, I could see this big hand go, stop. 
And people were highly disappointed when I told them, no, I'm not, I'm not going that direction. And it turns out that the Lord had a whole other plan for Michelle and I, and that was to end up right down here in this little bitty church and how it has made it this far. We still, we talk about it a lot, we don't know. But we know that the Lord said, don't do this, go and do this. I had people early on when we moved here spoke against the Lord and they didn't even realize it. Because I knew me and Michelle had already known that the Lord said, you'll be here until I tell you to leave. And we thought, okay, we'll just be obedient. People would stand up and supposedly prophesy or come to me in private and say, I was praying and the Lord said this about, you're just going to be there for a little short time and then you're going to move on to bigger and better. And I knew something was not right. Don't let people talk you out of what the Lord's instructions are for you in your life. That pandemic hit and me and Michelle said, well, there it went. That's it. There's no way this church will survive that. And somehow it came out better. How is that possible? By the Lord. Only through the Lord. We'll sit around sometimes and think, wow, I just, I don't understand how this happens. And all of a sudden we look up someday and here comes some new person who'd never been here before said, the Lord laid on my heart just to, to come and check you out. And it never fails within just a few months. Those very people need this church. They need the prayers of the people of this church. So I say that to say this, what the Lord guides you to do and what he leads you to do, that's what you do until he tells you otherwise. Because people get lots of big ideas, just like they did. They were just going and spreading the gospel. We'll go here and we'll go there and we'll go, we'll hit every city on the way. And all of a sudden the Lord said, no, don't go there and don't go there. And then later that night, now, here's where I want you to go. Amen. Be led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you. That's one of the most confusing things in life is to not know what to do next. You ever notice that? Me and my son were talking yesterday. We we were working out a deal here uh, the other day with the guy. We were going to buy a machine from him and stuff, and we were supposed to be working with this other guy and stuff, and we were in limbo all day. I can't stand to be in limbo. You? Is there anybody here that likes to just be in limbo, to just be waiting and not know what's coming? Well, we waited all day, and it went completely the opposite of what we thought it would go. And that day just kept on getting worse. So nobody likes to be in limbo. And I can tell you when you're working for the Lord or when you're serving Him, when you get to that point where you feel like you're in limbo, just keep asking Him. He'll guide you. He will guide you. He won't leave you hanging. He won't leave you in limbo. He just asks for us to obey. Amen? Amen. I just want to share that with you. Verse 11. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samathatrace, <clears throat> and the next day came to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is, in the, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. We sat down and spoke to when we met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. 
Right there was one benefit of the obedience, wasn't it? This lady here was primed and ready to receive Jesus Christ as her Savior. And just so happened, think about this. Out at the riverbank where the women used to go and gather and just wash the clothes or do whatever they did, they just happened down there and then all of a sudden here she is ready to hear the gospel. The Lord knows what He's doing. Amen. When He's leading us and guiding us, He knows what He's doing. Amen. Amen. Verse 16. Now as it happened, now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw their hope and of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. And having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. <clears throat> we learn here in this passage, and maybe you noticed it back in the, in the early part of that passage, is that not all praise is genuine. Just because people are honoring God with their lips or saying the right things doesn't mean it's genuine. Paul picked up on this very quickly, didn't he, with this little girl possessed with the spirit of divination. Seeing in verse 16, a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. And what she said was right, right? Look, this girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are servants of the most high God. That's true. Who claim to us, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. That's true. And she did this for many days. That should be good, right? But Paul picked up on what was going on. She was basically patronizing them, basically making fun of them. Basically, you know how you can say things a different way. You can say it factual or whatever, but look, think about this must have been how it sounded when she was saying it in front of Paul. These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Oh, we just need to listen to these guys. These are the greatest guys in the world. On and on and just pumping them up, pumping them up, pumping them up. Paul didn't want to be glorified, did he? He did not want to be glorified. He wanted Jesus Christ to be glorified. And you know how you can pick up on how the devil's working through people? Is they start pumping people up. When people start worshiping other people in the name of God, you better have a red flag right there. Because there's something shady going on in the back of their mind or deep in their heart. And he picked up on this. He didn't want their honor. They didn't want the honor. They wanted it to go simply to Jesus. Because what she said was true. They were servants of the Most High God. And they were proclaiming the way of salvation. But it was all about Jesus. Amen? Amen. Verse 19, something that you may have noticed that I think is kind of funny. 
They were okay with everything until they cast the demon out, and that took away their ability to make money. Because it says they were using this little girl like a fortune teller, and she'd go and say some kind of vague bunch of stuff that would end up coming true, and people would pay for that, right? People still do that, right? Tell me the future. Look into the glass ball. Read the cards. On and on. All this stuff these strange people do. And if it so happens it comes true, people will say, oh, they know the future. And they'll pay big amounts of money for that. Well, now their money's been taken away. They can't use this little girl for divination anymore because the demon's gone. So I just wrote down a little note there this morning with a LOL out from it. Don't mess with people's money. That's what will get you in more trouble than anything. See, now they're messing with their spirituality. They're messing with their religion. Those are two pretty bad things. Now they're messing with their money too. Oh, they got they got double whammy. You ever thought about that? They always, what was that when we were growing up? They always said two things you don't talk about was politics, religion, and they always would include don't mess with people's money. Well, that's kind of what was going on here. They messed with these guys' money, and now they bring them out before the magistrates and say, hey, these guys are troubling the whole city. We need to get rid of these guys. Verse 24, I think it's so interesting. And having received such a charge, <clears throat> he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. I wonder if maybe the people in Macedonia, wonder if word had traveled about what happened with Peter and getting out of jail when he'd been put really secure in the innermost part of the prison. Somehow he got out. wonder if that kind of played into this guy's thinking, man, if this guy gets loose, it's going to be off of my head. So he put him in the very deepest part of the prison and then locked him in the stocks. And if you've ever heard of that, that's that thing where they stuck your head through it and then it had a couple little other places for your arms to go through. And when they locked that down, you're not going anywhere. You couldn't even get through the door. So he's locked these guys down. They're not getting out of here, right? All because why? Doing the work of the Lord. Cast a demon out of the little girl. Amen? Verses 25 and a few following. But at midnight, <clears throat> Paul and Silas were complaining and begging, asking God why this had happened. Anybody paying attention? That's not what it says, is it? That's what we would do, wouldn't it? Most time humanity would be, Lord, why, why couldn't we have went on over to this other place? They said, you wouldn't let us go over there. Maybe they wouldn't have treated us so bad. That's what we'd have done. We do it. I do it. Lord, why are you letting this happen? And you frail your arms and you're just all bent out of shape. But these guys had a joy in their heart that the circumstances couldn't change. That's a place of faith that I want to live in. Is when those circumstances get like that, you think, you know, the devil's just fighting everything we do. We might as well just sing praises to the Lord anyway. Amen. Look at that verse. At midnight, <coughs> excuse me, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Now you think about other people locked in the prison. Maybe they were in some stocks too. I don't know. And you hear these guys singing and praising God and being happy. That'd catch your attention, wouldn't it? These guys, not only are they criminals, they're crazy. They don't know what's going on. I mean, we're locked in jail and they're singing. Hallelujah. Verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. 
And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Wow. Maybe this was the reason God didn't send him to those other places. There's a guy over here running the jail, Paul and Silas, that y'all don't know yet, but you're getting ready to meet him. And he's primed and ready to receive Jesus as a Savior. See, we just don't know God's plan all the time. We just have to obey. He doesn't have to give us every detail, but you see God is working things out. Now this guy gets saved, right? And who else? His whole household. Isn't the Lord awesome? Verse 25, I think it's neat. We just mentioned that a minute ago. Paul and Silas had a joy in their hearts that circumstances could not take away. Their prayers and singing also became a witness to the other inmates and the ruler of the prison. You notice where it says that, and the prisoners were listening to them. Then in verse 29, I think it's interesting. The man in charge of the jail knows something supernatural has happened. Look how it's worded. Then he, calling for the, the, the jailer, called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He knew something supernatural had happened because these guys are locked down in stocks and in chains and in all this bunch of stuff. And this earthquake happens, but the building didn't fall down. Buildings built back in those days weren't earthquake proof. That's why they do a lot of excavating and things in the Middle East today. They find centuries worth of different civilizations in layers because earthquakes buries them. Then they'll build again and earthquakes buries them again. But the prisoners are safe, but they're loose from their stocks and chains. So this guy knows something supernatural is happening. This God that these guys were singing to and praising and this guy, Jesus, that they're talking about, something's up because this just happened. So he comes running in and he falls down at their feet. And look what he says. He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Surely the message of the gospel is not that simple. Surely you, surely you got to do more than that. You've got to go do lots of good works. You've got to go spend X amount of time fasting and praying. You've got to go do some, You've got to do something to prove yourself worthy of this grace and this salvation that we're talking about. No. What does he say? This guy was previously just a few moments ago in charge of keeping criminals locked up, and now he says. What do I got to do to be saved? 
And they simply tell him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And what? And you will be saved. And it says that they spoke, he spoke the word of the Lord to them, no doubt telling him about the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And then he was buried. And then he rose again. We've seen how they preached that every time they got the opportunity. God had a plan. And a lot of people got saved because they obeyed and didn't just be headstrong and go on into them other cities like they wanted to go into Asia and those other places. So they went where God led them to go. And look what happened. Good thing. Do you know people's whole heritage may have changed that day? Think about us. I, I tell this story a lot. I don't know uh, may, how, how your story is in your family. But you know, every family some point in time had some person in their family got saved and that brought Jesus into that family. Because my family, they tell me, was pretty rough people. Moonshiners back in the hollers and stuff and laid drunk for weeks. That kind of stuff. Good old boys, but rough, right? Sinners. But God saved them or saved one. And then next thing you know, it trickles on down and you've got a whole heritage of people who know the Lord. That happened for this family here. Him and his whole household received Jesus because of obedience. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Let him do the leading. Amen? Amen. And the last few verses before we close, verses 35 through 40. And when it was day, <clears throat> the magistrates, now these are the guys, remember, that, was, that sent them into jail. Didn't like Paul and Silas. So when it was day, the magistrates sent the officer, sent the officer saying, let those men go. <laughs> All this had happened at the prison, and so this guy, to keep from just uh, disobeying his, his higher-ups or his superiors, he just took Paul and Silas and those guys over to his house and fed them and was keeping them there. So now the magistrates, you know how they are. These high people, they know everything. They come in and say, oh, well, you know what, we've been thinking. Just go ahead and let those guys go. Isn't that how people do? You ever notice that? Especially when you get political things going on. After the fact, then they come in and try to take credit for it. That's what's going on here. They know there's no, there's no stock and no chains going to hold these guys. So they said, well, you know, let them go. We'll take credit for it. I think it's so interesting. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. And Paul said to them, thanks, we appreciate it. Nope. We want to learn another good lesson right here. Meekness doesn't equal passiveness. Paul is getting ready to hold these magistrates' feet to the fire. He knows what they're up to, and he knows that they're trying to take credit for saying, well, yeah, we had those guys, but we let them go. Man did not let Paul and Silas go. God freed them from the power of man. And that's why Paul does this. So here we go. So Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, whipped them in the public square, right? That's what they used to do. They've beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, meaning we hadn't actually done anything wrong, and have thrown us into prison. And now, do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. 
So he's kind of getting back at them just a little bit, isn't he? He's letting them know, no, you, you guys who condemned me to be beaten and thrown in jail and locked in these stocks, now that you're wanting to take credit for letting me go, okay, you come personally and tell me it's okay to go. I'll tell you what, you just don't mess with the Lord, do you? This is a lot like how Jesus would just confound the Pharisees. They thought they had him right where they want him, and man, he'd just slip something around there on him and turn it right back on. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Amen. So let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. They just didn't realize and didn't even think to check that Paul actually was a Roman citizen. And it was a big-time law in Rome at that day that you didn't beat a Roman. You could beat a foreigner for crimes, but you didn't beat a Roman, and especially in a wide open space. So then they realized, oh, so it's really turned around backwards on these magistrates now. Amen. Verse 39 says, Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia and when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Meekness does not always equal passiveness. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will give you words for somebody that will basically leave them speechless. I've seen it happen I don't know how many times. Those mouths will start moving and they don't know what to say. But learn that lesson today. I believe that's why the Lord had me to title it this way. The Holy Spirit leads. He'll give us where to go, what to do, who to talk to, what to say, what not to say. The Holy Spirit leads. And we see that when we completely yield to Him and He is leading, that it will work out perfectly the way He wants it to. Amen? Most of the problems I've had in my life that lasted more than just a few moments were those times where I got in the Lord's way. And I knew I needed to go a certain direction. And I said, I don't want to go that way. I want to go this way. And you end up working against the Lord. And then you have to go back. And it takes longer to get where you should have been in the first place. So I can tell you from experience, let the Holy Spirit lead you in every part of your life. He'll even give you what job to go to. Amen. A lot of people don't believe that. I'm, I, I have experienced that myself. He told me what job to get where to go, who to talk to, blah, blah, on and on. Amen? So be led by the Holy Spirit. He will lead you and He will guide you. That's His whole purpose. That's what Jesus said when He comes. He will lead you into all truth. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today once again thanking you, Lord, for this message you've given us today to be led by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we have witnessed it here today just in the songs that you had us to sing today were not the songs I had picked, but the Holy Spirit had picked them. And I know from looking at people's faces, they needed those songs today. We thank you, Lord, for the leading of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for every time that you've led us to go here or not go there, to say this or not say that, whatever the case may be. And we ask and plead with you today, Lord, continue to guide us. Help us by thy Holy Spirit. Help us to yield. Help us to know his voice. And help us, Lord, as we walk forward and and witness in this darkened world. We've talked about things here today, Lord, uh, in our prayer request. Darkness upon our land. Darkness in man's hearts. Darkness in their minds. We thank you, Lord, that you have the message that will 
shed light into these people's lives. Even the ones who do so wickedly, there's still hope for them. And we pray, Lord, that you just show us where to go, who to say things to, and what to do, and be let us be led by your Holy Spirit. We ask you for it today in Jesus' name, Lord. I pray that you keep each and every person safe today as we go about and maybe go to celebrations today for a celebration of 4th of July. Keep every, each and every one safe upon the roadways and keep your hands also upon those that weren't able to be with us today. Until the next time we meet, amen, amen.